You're listening to the good. Don't call me Pano. The bad. Absolute. And the rugby. Folded like a deck chair. With Pano, Lord, and the Hask. I don't know what that means. Away we go once again. Welcome to The Good, The Bad and The Rugby with me, according to the Radio Times, the comparatively weedy one, Alex Payne, which is taking a little bit of getting used to. We've got a lot to reflect on this week after the second round of the Guinness Six Nations. Hugely contrasting fortunes, I think it's fair to say, for a couple of friends of the show, Lewis Rees-Zamet, Rees Lightning, and Pearl Jack Willis. We will pick up on both of those very shortly. We've got Ellis Genge dialing in from Penny Hill Park as well. We'll take some of your questions if we've got time. And we'll give you a couple of clues about another superstar who is joining the team here at GB&R. But the boys are back. Hask and Tins are in the saddle. How are we all? Happy Valentine's Day to you both. I missed you. Hoff, how are you? How's your well, week? Well, don't let's not start with me. Let's start with money bags. Let's have a chat with how he's getting on, <laughs> shall we? Go on then. Tim, uh, you, uh, I think so. I think since we last recorded, I mean, we're used to being front page of Hello Magazine, but we're not necessarily used to being front page of broadsheets, red tops, etc. Thank you for the coverage. Um, yeah. What's been happening? Uh, yeah, it was an interesting week last week. Um, the Sun decided to. Say that I had fifteen point four million. I don't know where they got the fifteen point four million from. I can say all last. What week, you mean? Right? Is the point four you're arguing about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the kids spent all last week. Uh, we sodded off homeschooling to try and find this fifteen point four million, and we still haven't found, managed to locate it. There's a lot of holes in the garden now, but we still haven't managed to find it. They seem to say that I was personally taking furlough money, but they did apologise on Saturday. But I suppose the damage is done by then. It's quite interesting how many people crawl out of the uh, the woodworks on the line below. I don't think I've ever been called a see you next Tuesday as many times by random people who have got 10 followers and don't put their own profile picture on there. They have a a mask from that you rob a bank with on there. I was like, well, I don't really care what you think, but there you go. Uh, Yeah, so it was an interesting week, but we got an apology in the end and it wasn't me taking it personally, but there you go. I was going to say, are you feeling a bit bruised by it? Are you pissed off? No, I was pissed off because obviously... The furlough scheme is there, and I did have one person who was working for me who had nothing to do, so she went on furlough, which is why the system was in place. But then, for some reason, they thought I had £15.4 million, but I was taking £584 a month from the furlough scheme. Hmm. <laughs> Makes sense if you've got £15.4 million But also, the best, bit is, the best bit is, as well, is this if they've done no research and they go, do you know what the good, the bad, the rugby, we're all dressing up as Amazon fucking drivers, we're doing everything <laughs> else, and, and do you know what, you're scrabbling around for 500 quid. That's the best, that's the best <laughs> bit of all of it. £15 million and you're like, do you know what, I'm really, really going to fuck this government out of 500 sheets. <laughs> Mate, they almost, I don't know, if you've got 15.5 or 15.4 million, you've got 500 quid in the ashtray of your car. You're not worried about that. You, you put I, I that thought, in the Red Cross box. I thought you'd taken 15.4 million through furlough, and I was getting very irate about that. Yeah, you were wondering, where was that to sign up to? Uh, no. So, yeah, was, you, you can't help but get frustrated, can you? And I don't know why I even care, but you just don't like it when people call you a for 
something that you're not actually doing and then believing something that sells newspapers. But there you go. But people are perpetually offended. That's, that's what we've got to. And also yeah. what, what I said to you during the period of time is that there's lots of very unhappy people who've been obviously profoundly affected by the situation and, and obviously they're rightly upset. But a lot of times they don't have anyone to focus that hate on. There's only so many times you can project shit on the House of Parliament and blame Boris Every now and then, the, the papers have to go in there and go, do you know what? Let's rally the masses. Let's rally the below the line and let's get them real fired up. <laughs> who can we pick on? I'll tell you who we haven't done it for a while. It's the royal family. Let's fuck you. Let's, go. let's hop over there and see what they've done. Put big headlines. We won't make anything add up. Smoke and mirrors. Let them go. It's, it's the way it goes. I'll tell you hey. what, Tins. I'm amazed you didn't spend some of your 15.4 million on employing Hask to do you a seven-minute parade against not only those below the line, but the sun, the government, the furlough scheme, COVID, etc. I mean, no, we could have had... I can't, lie to, I, I can't lie to you. I, I almost went to Cameo and, you know, there was 150 coming his way <laughs> for a good gig. And I almost did it myself. But then I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not, not going to do that. But then I did really think about paying Hask to do it. <laughs> and I would say my name the flame uh, house would have definitely done it and he'd have done a great job of it but no do, I waited do you get, genuine question is do you, do you get a bit of a an email from um, Buckingham Palace saying please bite your lip and move through this it's always the best way or are you outside no, of that no it's just sit sort of outside that so don't you fucking dare don't you dare <laughs> listen I fucking told you about your stag do your prick behave yourself <laughs> something like that Good. I imagine Good. Right, let's park that and move on. Well, actually, I will say just one thing, Alex, which is that it's quite um, apt, but not in the same way. Is obviously we talk about media hounding and unfounded stuff and everything else. Like that it's actually one year today that we sadly lost Caroline Flack. Um, yeah, and you know, if and, and if we have le- have we learned anything from that? Have we learned the answer is no. Are we more toxic as ever? Yes. Are the media still talking shit? Yes. Is everyone still horrible on social media? Yes. We have learned. Nothing. And, in, and let's see if in the memory of Caroline we could possibly do something for once and just try to be a little bit better than we are. Just an idea. It's what we're going to get on to talking about, isn't it, Ask about the fact that rugby players, rugby coaches don't become bad players or coaches overnight. So, yeah, I read Dorse saying that Farrell's holding back now, holding back England. Not entirely sure that's, that's a fair statement and what you should be saying. You would say he's probably not running full petrol, but he's not a bad player. He doesn't become a bad player overnight overnight he's still a world-class player and yes okay Dorsch you can have your opinion but to say that he's holding back that England team is is just why why say it be balanced you know we, which we want to create positivity focus on all the good stories and then it's not up to us to pick the team we have no say over the team we can only comment but why can't you just comment and still try and stick to the positivity because I'm even going to be positive about Ireland this week and Alex, we actually even, it was interesting, I spoke to Dylan Hartley about this. And, uh, you know, last week, I know obviously Ellis is, is coming in, so I can't wait to see him because he's looking sharp. But, um, you know, a few of the comments after my appraise of England's game last week, same thing people put underneath it. Oh, you're just a fan of Eddie Jones. You can't say this. You're never going to say this. And we actually talked about it as a, as a production team. We're like, listen, we want to be objective. But what I don't get is why can you not celebrate the good parts, be objective about the other parts without having to slam be negative, be toxic. And it's somehow, and Dylan said they got exactly the same thing. And he basically turned around, I think, said a quote, which I thought was brilliant. It's maybe we're not cut out for punditry. Do you know what? If that is the requirement, is that is what you have to deliver, is just blowing everything up, total negativity. Why couldn't you say exactly what we said? Scotland were fucking fantastic. England were, uh, had areas to improve on. Eddie made a few areas here. This is what we, and do it objectively without having to blow the doors off. And I, I just, I just don't get it. 
And I just very quickly, before we bring in the boss, not everybody on social media is toxic and a troll. Oh, we mentioned Valentine's Day earlier and Lewis Reese Samet. And there's been a tweet that's been going bananas post-Saturday. And it was posted by Leia Seren, who said, Hi, Lewis Reese Samet. I'm free on February the 14th. Just saying, February the 14th, I will be free. I have no plans on February the 14th. I am free. <laughs> someone, so, call in the Red, hey. someone call in the Red Cross because she's starving. Yeah. This is uh, the thing. is We've got a friend whose husband is a equestrian with Zara. And she sent Zara a message saying, could you set uh, Reese Samet up with my daughter, Maddie? Zara wrote back, you know he's Welsh. There's a, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Reese Samet. While well, looking at the bottom of her shoe, yeah, kind of but, thing. But then she, she then swiftly followed up, you know that Maddie's only 15? And he's like, no, but we're planning for the future. I'm like, is he that good looking that you're, and he's that good a rugby player that you're now planning his future from a 15-year-old? He's seven years older than her. Uh, so what, you're going to plan the meeting in five, six years? I think he's probably got things to do in that five, six years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fair play to him. He's got mothers trying to yeah. pimp out their daughters already. Good God, he's got the world at his feet. Best slide into your DMs, Hask? I'm only going to ask you this. Oh, um... <sighs> I, do you know what? I'm always very worried. Now, that would be a book that I would read. Yeah, it was always a trap. Yeah. Every time you, every time someone comes in, every time someone just goes, hi, you look at it, catfish. No, I don't do that. The nicest people who ever slid into my DMs are lads. And to be honest with you, if, that, if I was that way inclined, I'd never have a free evening. Just putting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring in the boss. How are you, Dr. Genj? Nice to see you. You're back home. When do you get yeah, back? Sorry, I haven't got my, um, my laptop or my computer with me, so I'm on the, I'm on the phone if the audio is a bit bad. No, you've got the laptop, but you've still managed to get the chair. <laughs> you've still got the, the sweet gaming chair in there. That never leaves, that never leaves the sacred spot. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? When did you get home? Yesterday, about three o'clock, I think. So we're allowed um, until Thursday. Obviously, we just can't go anywhere. Right, um, under lock and key, doing the bags. Yeah, just seeing the baby and the dog. Good on you. <clears throat> How are you? We're talking social media. I don't know why we're talking social media, but we are talking social media. What, what, what was in your timeline post-Saturday? A lot of good uh, luck messages to Willis, I guess. That was all I seen, and that was all, uh, that was all I really filtered in. Everything else I scrolled out, because it was all going to be... <laughs> fucking hell celebrating after you beat Italy and you lost to Scotland and all that sort of shit <laughs> I mean it's just incredible isn't it it's, you can't I mean, win can you it's when you win you lose and when you yeah, lose you well, lose especially against whenever you play Italy it's there isn't a win there yeah. isn't a win and I think it's so sad because I think actually I know that Italy are getting spanked but at least they bring some they want to play so they actually encourage you to get out and play a bit more they made the most amount of attacking metres in the first week of the Six Nations they got another 300 on the weekend so they are throwing it about but do you prefer that or would you prefer the old school Italy that just defend kick and try and hold on I'm more of the ones where you, they come and have a go at you and then, you know, hopefully it encourages you to play a bit more because you definitely did this week. I don't know whether that was a plan, but you definitely did. Um, yeah, I think it's just horses for courses. Like, we just we play what's in front of us. Obviously, everyone in that Scotland week was moaning about us kicking the ball so much. But uh, I think Scotland had more kicking metres than us. So it's just a case of who kicked the ball better. I came in then, you were talking about Matt Dawson saying, Faz. Uh, is a guy to play very good. You're a fucking bell end, is he? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, what's that about? Why, why would you say something like that? I find no disrespect to you, Tins. I know you're not the youngest cat on the block, but um, 
some of those boys, especially some of the older boys, like you just talk utter shit. And it's like how I said, you've got to sort of to stay relevant. You have to talk a lot of shit and spout a lot of nonsense. So I don't feel like it's a reflection on him as a bloke, but he sounded like an absolute tool saying stuff like that. It's just baloney, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you about um, Jack? Because, I mean, I bet you've had an extraordinary... No, I know he has had an extraordinary number of messages. I bet you have too. Funny enough, I don't know about Haskin Tins, but off the back of the pod that we did with him the other day, there's been loads coming through to us as well. It has yeah. been a sort of two-week love story, really, since we had him on the show, we then went back on the show, and then there was a sort of seven-minute sort of explosion of emotion with you and he celebrating the try, and then you just looking pretty despairing as he went down. Um, how is the kid, first of all? I mean, uh, I think you're as good as you can be after sort of blowing your knee out. I don't know the severity of it all yet. I'm sure that will come to the surface as soon as he's ready to tell everyone what's going on. But uh, I spoke to him. He seems in good spirits. It might be the tramadol that I was talking, but, mate, he's a, he's a light-hearted kid anyway. So I remember he, he was downstairs after it uh, on that night and he was like, Genji, get me a pudding, please. I said, get yourself, you lazy <laughs> he's there in a full brace and crutches and that and he, he laughed it off so I think he's in good spirits mate but like oh it's just a travesty isn't it? he's he's a legend of a bloke and you, you don't like seeing that happen to your mates especially the good ones did you know immediately I mean your reaction kind of told the story in itself but it so he's a, he's I, a I, don't know, I don't know how you do that as a player how you watch that yeah uh, that's what I mean well I've never I've been close to a few um, few instances like that but I've never seen it Directly, you know, I think I was probably the first one to actually see the severity of it. And obviously, because it wasn't so much the the knee that I was looking at. It was more so that it was Willis screaming. I didn't rub me up very well. So that was why I reacted so badly. Just because, like you said, it was the highs and lows. Like we were two minutes ago, we were screaming with each other because he scored. And next minute, he's screaming because he's hurting. Um, so, yeah, it didn't sit very well with me. But sport, mate, and he'll tell you that himself. Come Have you spoken to him, Hask? Have you pinged him in there? Yeah, yeah, I spoke to him because obviously I was, at, I was at the game and me and uh, I was sitting, lucky to sit with Dills and he was doing some stuff for, for, for Guinness and we were, we were watching him when he scored a try. We were both laughing because Ellis just fucking dived on him. We were both like, oh my God, he's going to kill him. And Big Ellis just came over the top, flattened him. And obviously, I don't ever remember scoring a try like that. I never screaming, you know, because in my latterly when I played, I, I never really got to score tries. If I did, I think I'd forgotten what I'd done as I walked off. And he went, do you not remember when you did this, this and this? And then completely pulled my pants down. So I was like, okay, okay, that's great. Let's celebrate. I love it. And then I was obviously watching on the TV on, inside because it's freezing. And I could hear him because the stadium, obviously, there's no one in it. You could hear him screaming through the window. And I just couldn't, um, I couldn't watch it because I, I can't watch anything about that. You know, I was, I've been there with a couple of people injured. And it's like, turn me off rugby. I've, I've seen it and I'm just like, actually, I probably should go home now and just give my mum a hug and we probably won't play again for a little while. Like, I don't know how you, to see it firsthand, it's horrific. Um, so I obviously texted him after the game and he was, he was on the phone and, and, and Chloe's obviously good friends with him as well. And, and he seemed okay. I've spoke to him a, a little bit today and he sees that upbeat and positive. Obviously, they've got an idea of what the details, the injury, obviously, that's not for me to say, but I think... Um, He's had a good old go at it, but you know, I, I remember when he came round to the um, he came round to the house and he had it was crutches for his one leg and then crutches for his ankle for his foot. He, at one point, when he did his other thing, he had one leg up, one leg up. <laughs> so at least this time, he's only got one injury. So his poor misses. I think is it Megan? Is that right? Yeah, Megan's gonna, yeah. Megan's going to have to wait on him hand and foot. But look, he's 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 super positive, and I think. I don't, you know, when we got him on and we talked about it before, it's actually a real testament to him getting through that first lot of injuries because he played with a broken ankle 
which was undiagnosed. Then he did his knee in the same game. They then repaired both of them. And his ankle was giving him a load of problems throughout the time. And I remember sitting, it came in the garden, I think maybe last summer, just before the first lockdown, just had a brew. And I was like, how are you? I'm going in for another ejection. And then obviously he came back playing and has gone through the whole thing to being premiership player, player's player, outstanding, get back in the English squad. And then to see that is... He's a nightmare. But actually, I think, like Ellis said, he's a really re- resilient guy. Um, yeah. And if you can survive the executive facilities of Broad Street when it was not under Lee, when it was like <laughs> training at two in the, you know, training at like six in the morning in the dark with no electricity because the generators run out and everything else, and getting through that, now hopefully under Lee and everything else, things have changed a little bit. I think he'll be, I think he'll be good. I think he seems to have one of those bodies that unfortunately gets, because of the positions he can get into, he will get injuries. But I think... With that flexibility, I mean, it'll help him with it, with it, his recovery. I mean, you look you look at what he had to go through and how well he's come back out of it. I think he'll be able to sort of come back and get to where he wants to go. I think he's just got that sort of superhuman body that can heal quickly as well as actually get injured that quickly as well. So hopefully... I was going to say, fingers crossed, he's got his feet back around his neck again the worst, in no time at all. Yeah, the worst, the worst, one, on. worst one I ever saw was Sinbad. He, I think we were playing in Japan and he... He did what Sinbad does, where someone tackles him, one knee hits the floor, and somehow he sort of pulls himself back up with the other leg, and then a guy fell on the other leg, and I saw him on the floor, and I've never seen him absolutely actually. He was literally digging a hole with one of his foot. He was just digging at the top. I was like, saw his other ankle, which was then facing the wrong way to his shin. And then I'll always remember the uh, St. John's ran on and w- ran over to him and went, what's hurting? I was like... <laughs> And at this point, I, my best friend's on the floor. I'm like, what the fuck do you think's hurting? Like, they, like, they like looked at his leg and went, oh, yeah, that's not good. I'm like, no shit, can you do something about it? Can you get the gas and air out? Can you do something to help him? As he's like digging to Australia with his other leg. Um, did, the, um, yeah. did the St. John's Amherst run over and offer him a polo mint or an extra strong mint? <laughs> <laughs> Little Britain. Um, oh, I think this is, uh, this is definitely a double X mint for you. Yeah. <laughs> Reminds me of when, do you remember when Mike Gatting got hit through his helmet guard and it broke his nose like he got hit smack in the face and his nose exploded and when he got back through uh came back through Heathrow with his nose all over the place one of the journalists just went and where did the ball hit you and he <laughs> he went to, he went to go and he was like what, where do you think it fucking hit me like my face is all over the place that's that's oh. Murray Walker and uh, Nigel Mansell isn't it does that hurt and he smashes <laughs> it in the other things that like, like does now it might not have done before Ellis, can I? Uh, sorry, to, can I ask you a question quickly? You know, when you saw that, I know, I, you know, I said because um, Johnny May apparently he walked up and had a look and saw the same thing, and he, you know, what Johnny May's like, yeah. he's uh, super squeamish. He's super squeamish. Did it? Uh, obviously, seeing that, did that put you off for a minute? Do you think were you going to tackles like this now? <laughs> no, a few boys, yeah, a few boys said that they made them not really want to put their head in the breakdown, but <clears throat> I think one of the boys said, "Oh, let's do this for Jack now," and it just gave me a bit of probably put up another gear um, as opposed to took this thing out of it. Um, it was just dark for like the next four minutes or five minutes when he was getting stretched off. I just, I had tears in my eyes, to be honest. A lot of emotions in that in that short space of time. Like I said, five minutes before I was on the try line with him and it's before the game as well because obviously he didn't play in the first game. I remember saying to him, I said, I'll latch you over line for this one now launches ain't here. And he was like, that would be class. And obviously, I latched him over. That was why I went ballistic. Is that technically go down as assist for you, Elsie? Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Fantasy's <laughs> on fire. And then obviously, after that, like five minutes after, we were at the complete other end of the scale, where 
yeah, you don't even want to look at the bloke because he's in so much pain. Was it because it was because obviously where, from where we were looking on the TV, they didn't they stayed away from him, but it looked like because they didn't give did they give him any gas and air, but the whole time he was like writhing when he. I think he was like I don't know. You'd have to ask Jack. I didn't no, really right. want to talk to him that much about the injury after the game because obviously it's the last thing he wants to fucking speak about. Just get the cheesecake in, yeah. <laughs> I think. He was sort of like not accepting it, you know. He was like, "No, get yeah. the coffee and fine." He was like, "I'll sit up," and he was like, "No, stay let down, man. What's wrong with you?" And I said, "Jack, just, just relax. Nothing you can do now, my boy. Just chill out." And that was when I think yeah. he got sent up in the in the gas and air to Cloud Nine. But, uh, hopefully, he wasn't in too much pain, but he, he did look like he was fucking uh, in the knee. It's interesting yeah. the lads get got round and said. You know, actually, let's do this for Jack. Because I've had that that mentality where you see something and you're like, you know, like the last game before you have to get called up for England. Yeah. You know, you're going to camp and you're, it's last 20 minutes. You're like, oh, I've got to really steal that ball. And you're like, I, I work hard, but I, I should probably leave that. I'll roll out. I'm a guard. I don't put your hands in. Like, I've been there. Because you, because one time I, mean, yeah. I went in to do it and I got my leg caught in. And I spent the first week of an England camp in Browns back in the UK getting our MRI scans on my knee. So never again. If it was all, if it's the last game before you have to go into England camp, I'll go real hard for the first sixty-five minutes. If I make it through that last ten minutes, yours? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to this contact, one. Lie down. Yeah, yeah. Crocodile roll views. Eddie Jones said that if we think something's untoward, we'll bring it to World Rugby's attention. So we'll go through it and have a look at it. But we'll go through the appropriate channels of that. I mean, not be not biting and understandably. So he's he's had a headline. But then. This is the thing with a crocodile roll is unless you can get into that position that Jack Willis can get into and you are rolling over the ba- over his back and you're rolling onto his knee in that position, there's not many people who you can ever be affected by a crocodile roll because Jack does it and he's done it, doing it so legal because he actually does support his own body weight. You be, they want to get rid of the crocodile roll. We'll actually get people who can't hold their old body weight and there's loads of them. I could go through games and you could get 20 or 30 of people who just kick their feet back and the only way you can move them is doing a roll. And now you can't net roll. You do the, the old crocodile roll. So I don't think you can get rid of that. I just think you've got to police the breakdown better. And unfortunately for Jack, he gets in a position that not many people can get into, which is perfectly legal. But then the only way they can do it is roll him. And if they end up going too long on him, they're going to roll down that knee. And there's nowhere for that knee to go, which is what happened on the weekend. Really. Do you, do, is it part of your training, Ellis? Crocodile roll, or is it just an instinctive? No, no, I've never been coached. I think like under 14 is one session I got coached to do it, but it's never been a thing where people go in and say, right, we're just going to, I think we called it shark rolling when I was younger. But anyway, um, no, I've never been coached to, to roll anyone off a, off a ball. I think when you get told, like, because the breakdown is obviously quite ferocious now, and there's such good jacklers out there, when you get told, like, obviously, speed the ball and to get the ball back as quick as you can is the most important thing, then you're going to get them off any way you can. Like, I didn't see that red card for Scotland on the weekend, but I heard another one for him coming in shoulder to the head again. Yeah. Is it? Or it's something like that. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's tough, isn't it? Because people get in such good positions and you come in so low and, like, you're trying to match their height. Can you actually get your arms up to when you're that low, you know? Like, you actually... I don't know, there's loads of different variables and breakdowns and they're quite messy, but I think if you take every single incident and dissect it and, and pull it apart, then you're always going to find problems with something. I think rugby's probably been in the best state it's been in for a, a long time in terms of what people are doing, so I'm, yeah, I'm quite partial on the matter. Interesting. How are you? You seem quite, are you knackered? 
Yeah, fuck. Obviously, come out to the baby. I've been been away for a few weeks, and you sleep when you want in camp at the moment because we can't leave our rooms. So I've had a lot of uh, a lot of kit. I've come home, about to take the dog out, bit of business. Uh, and then look after the baby. So yeah, sorry if I left the state. No, 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 no. I think it's really interesting actually, and it's nice to sort of you know you don't often get to chew the fat with people after they've done what you did on Saturday. I mean, physically, is Sunday just a write off? Is Monday? Uh, I'm actually you, worse you, the second day. Yeah, you worse on Monday. I'm, yeah, I'm worse two days after. The day after, I'm still quite numb. I think because I have so much caffeine, you know, like I'm still buzzing on the Monday, and then sorry on the Sunday, and then I crash on on Monday. So today I've, I've had a nap, and body's been throbbing all day, but sauna's firing up as we speak. So I'll probably just get in there and hopefully it'll burn away some of the pain. Will you call it when you've done when you've had enough? Because we can keep chatting, but it's, no, it's no, really no. interesting. What was the kind of wash-up post-Saturday? I mean, it's, we've already touched on the fact it's such a difficult game because everyone expects you to win and either you have to win well, in which case people shrug their shoulders, or you don't and people pile in. I mean, was there a debrief or do you kind of know what you've done and therefore you can crack on? I'll be honest with you, uh, obviously, because what happened to Jack, we didn't, I don't think there was, sort of took the sting out of it a bit. That was how I felt anyway. And I spoke to a few of the other boys, like a, it wasn't really a time for, for massive celebrations and we sang our post-match song, but in the back of my head, it didn't really feel right, knowing that Jack was in the medical room. Oh, if, if I fucking think about everything like that, then I'll never live my life again. But it just, on that particular moment, I was just cut right open. So, yeah, it was a bit of a blur. I just went back, had a beer with him downstairs. He didn't drink, obviously, because he was getting scanned the next day and they need you to stay off the piss because otherwise it like blurs the scans. Um, for oh, that, oh mm-hmm. well, that's the story they're going with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they tell everyone. I, I don't yeah. see how no, it does. It's, it doesn't. It basically, it, the alcohol can increase inflammation. So basically, if, if, the, if the area is really inflamed, you put, smash a load of piss, don't look after it, and you're putting weight on it, it, it you know, body retains um, fluid, then when they come to see the scan, all the tendons and ligaments are greyed out. So that's why, or fucked up, so you can't see it. So that's why they say you don't go on a piss. Because okay. um, I remember like, getting fucking steaming in London before one of my ops, and they were like, "Don't drink before the operation." And I was like, "Yeah, raid." Yeah, that was- <laughs> <laughs> I was on my own. It was like the last time I was gonna be able to have a blowout. So obviously, you weren't gonna drink when you were actually injured, and I had the operation. So I was like holding around on my knee. It was after the South Africa thing. I went to one of these bars, and I reckon I sunk. Fuck, I don't know how many Guinness I had, but I had a fair few. I went to the off and I was fucking half cut still, but no. That's that's really dangerous, by the way. Just for anyone listening to that, that because <laughs> because right, you know what they tell you when you do operations and medication. I love this like learning. It's like every day just <laughs> I it's get fucking Dr. Hatch because Dr. Hatch fingers. If you were that good, you'd sort your fingers out, you mad. I, I know, I have. I, but I, the, the one I had the operating on is straight. I mean, the fact is, it's wide of a piece is neither here nor there. But <laughs> <laughs> it gets more outings than the other. I know, I choke. So I, um, no, the reason is, is that you, you basically have an operation. You, when you have an operation, they ask you to not have fluids and everything else that. It's because if you have anesthetic, some people's body can react badly to it and you vomit in your mouth and choke really? you've got pipes down your, in your mouth so obviously when you go into a thing you're supposed to be fasting and only drink water is your stomach needs to be empty so some for example some daft bloke for seeing the bright lights of london he's come down from bristol it's unbelievable toy like, oh my god barbara ever okay right another guinness another guinness another right <laughs> and they give an operation you go have you eaten no i've had nothing i've honestly had nothing why are you talking to that toilet door? I don't know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Right, right? 
Like, what's, what's your leg? Oh, I'll get my, my arms being done. But it says knee on here. Yeah, that's it. Knee, arm, leg thing. I <laughs> okay, right? If you go put anesthetic in they, and you go, I've had nothing, and they pop you in it and you're anesthetic, you die, it's your, it's your fault, basically. So I can't be you should, We were starving. Can't be <laughs> can't be that, that's why you should not do it. I, 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 sorry, Alex. I did want to ask you one serious thing. Was So someone's told me, and I know we talked about it in, in last week's show, and you, could, you don't have to answer this if you want to, but it's, I, I obviously understand that the England camp at the moment, I like adhering to the rules, these COVID rules, like nobody else's business. It, apparently, it is just completely different than anything you guys have ever done before. You are, li- you are literally confined to your room, and that's it. Yeah. Oh, sorry, is that a question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it, yeah. yeah. And that's that's like, still work it, experience. He's still yeah. on work experience as a presenter, but given the benefit of the doubt. He's not, like yeah, he's not Michael Parkinson, Genji. <laughs> what are you yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah. Is it horrific in camp? Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's, it's, yeah, shit, of course. It is bleak, but we're making, I'd say we're making the best out of a bad situation in terms of, like, we said let's be grateful for playing and being able to still do what we love to do, which of course we all are. But at the same time, we had a meeting the other day, just like a players' meeting, and we said let's not be around the bush here. Like, it's a pretty bleak situation with all the new new COVID restraints that we got. Like we can't leave our rooms. You're confined to these four by four rooms every day. It's like being in the box. So yeah, it does get pretty dark. But like I said, I think making the best out of, out of a shit situation. Like we sit at dinner, and because of the tables are two meters apart, I think we're allowed 45 minutes in there. So we sit down, eat our grub, and we actually sit and chat to each other for a bit. But other than that, no, it's literally in your room, gaming. I don't know what other boys are doing. Perhaps they're working out. Why? Because there's a lot of sweating and they come out of out of breath. <laughs> I've been through a fair few times. Yeah, there's not a lot. You're looking a bit light in your face, you know, in your face and on your feet. <laughs> Triceps massive, though. Yeah, it's it's pretty bleak, mate. I'll be honest with you. Like everyone's in the same boat, really, aren't they? Uh, it's it's shit for everyone and. I think it's just because usually when you're in camp, you're having such good crack with the boys and you're allowed to get out of your room. And the last campaign as well, because there were different COVID rules, we were allowed to do a lot more. So it's almost as if we've come into camp and it's all been not taken away from us, but it's a completely different setup for us. That's all I can think of, really. Like, other than... It's, ma- it's madness. Is there, is there anyone else staying in the hotel? Surely well, that's, so that's what we... I, we've said that to the doc. Like, every single COVID test came back negative and we were like, surely we can mix with each other now. He said no because they can like take ten days to to give you the right results. So he, he's mate, he's being very very anal about it, but I think it's probably for the best because if one of us gets it, it's taking a lot of people down with them, and we're not going to be able to compete. So it's worth the. So basically, that what they're doing is minimising risk that if someone did test positive, you wouldn't lose five, six, seven people, and maybe cost you maybe not Absolutely. be able to. Put a team out, basically. Well, you'd have the big lad on the wing sitting boys down, wouldn't you? So, <laughs> nobody wants that. <laughs> I would like to see that. Me too. I don't, could you, do you reckon you can finish like like Johnny on the weekend? We got that vertical to get up there. No, my vertical for a start is embarrassing. Absolutely <laughs> embarrassing. Mate, you've never seen a rhino jump, though, have you? That's yeah, the problem. He's, exactly. not, he's not there well, to do that. To jump. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't need to jump. She needs to go forward. No, I couldn't finish that. That was a mental finish, wasn't it? Yeah, it's ridiculous. For you rugby knows that. Though. I've seen a bit of controversy over whether or not yeah, he's allowed to... Jump, jumping out the tackle. Have you spoken about that already? No, no. no. See, I, I remember I went to chop tackle... What was the seventh name? Safka and Hask, who played at Bath. Francois Lowe. Yeah, Francois Lowe. Yeah. And he, off like a nine carry, five metres out from lining at Bath away, I went to chop him and he like jumped over my head. <laughs> Literally <laughs> jumped over my head, scored the try. Pulled my pants down and I thought, fuck, 
thought you weren't allowed to jump into tackles, and he gave a penny away for that. But I think that was because he actually jumped over me and then sort of like galloped to the try line. Whereas yeah. obviously Johnny was he was jumping to score. Yeah. So I feel like it was play on, but I've seen a lot of people saying no, it's bollocks. It's not allowed to do it. I think it's the I think what brought in the controversy around that is the way that he jumped. So he sort of jumped and pulled his knees up, so it makes it yeah. actually look like he's rather than jump and diving like, like that. Superman sort yeah. of dive. Yeah, but I still think he just paid the skill there rather than anything else. Um, no, it's, in the, it's in the act of scoring. He actually yeah. ends going down with the ball in front of his body. So I think it's just a you've just got to tip your hat to the athletic ability of him on that one. I completely agree. I like your expression, pay the skill. I think Nigel Owens said, if he jumps to score, it's okay. But if he jumps to avoid the tackle, it's a penalty. So you kind of, yeah. you can cut it both ways. But I, th- I mean, it's a hell of a finish either way. I then seen him say that, that he would have gave a penalty. Yeah, because yeah, what he's saying is he's jumped and he, the guy who was going to tackle him has actually gone underneath him. Whereas if he did on a Superman dive, the guy still would have made contact with him. Whereas he's, because he's, because he's cut so high as well. Yeah, I was going to say, just because, just because he's really good at jumping high, yeah, like, yeah. you can't get pinged for that. By the way, people out there, he's unbelievable at, like, standing box jumps. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost, it's something six foot that he can standing yeah. jump. It's, it's it is ridiculous he's like a frog <laughs> amongst other things I always remember and a, and he, was, he was a chicken it was my tra- it was my training partner so <laughs> you have those box jumps that go up to about 150 or whatever and then you get your 20 kilo plates and you start stacking them on and it was really annoying because he he put three plates on top of his 150 or whatever and bang up there and I'll be like I could yeah. Let's take that one off. Let's take that one off. Let's take that one off. And, one fucking, and then I'd, sh- I'd shin, I'd shin the wooden box. I'd be running yeah. around bleeding everywhere from my shins, <laughs> and then he'd have to load it up again. It's, yeah, it's annoying. Can I? I just ask you, Ellis. I just want to almost actually about last week and that post Scotland. I, I, do you, I don't know whether you do you read the papers, listen to the news. Do you turn off yeah, social media? Well, there was the news now, but. There was so much noise off the back of it. And funny enough, we, we, I hope, trod a fairly reasonable path through, you know, obviously a disappointing loss. But there were a lot of people getting very sort of upset and overexcited about it. I just, I, does anyone in camp listen to that? Or actually, is that one of the benefits of being in a bubble is that you can... Yeah, no, you can, completely, you can completely block it out until your old man starts sending you articles away. And then you have to read them. <laughs> um, yeah, cheers, <laughs> Look. It's up to you, isn't it, whether or not you decide to read them or not. Social media's there, and obviously you get people who are upset when you win. Like I said, people are upset that we beat early. <laughs> England fans, shouldn't have fucking beat early. What are you doing? But it's, it was, we, were, we weren't great at all, were we? We weren't very good. We got outplayed, and better side won that week. But I think it just shows that people hold us in such high regard and expect us to win those games because we've done so well previously. And yeah, we just we came unstuck and carry on yeah right for yourself you want to vent and yeah. call us all shit and carry on Genji I'm just interested like, on the field when, you, when you're playing in that Scotland game and things just aren't going your way you know your Youngsy and Faz's kicking wasn't quite where it needed to be none of the none of the kicks were contested what's the chat in that situation I think sometimes too many cooks score the broth so obviously if I'm checking my 10 pence in and the second row start talking about how we should kick and stuff. Like boys have just stopped listening for a start. Like they ain't gonna listen to me saying fast, mate. Put a bit more, <laughs> a bit more on that, you know. So I just trust the bloke who's got eighty odd cats for his country. A lot of them is cats, and a lot of them starting at ten to fix himself. And if they get it wrong, they get it wrong again. Lenny, if his kicking's not on point that day, he's got 105, 106 cats for England. So again, I trust the bloke to make the right decisions, and I 
like to think he's not doing it on purpose. So me in his ear telling him, fuck me, mate, you're kicking like a brick today. It ain't going to help, is it? So... <laughs> Um, so, well, it might, it might, it might incentivise him to kick a bit. Yeah, maybe, to be fair, maybe. you should um, just whisper his ear. Do one more of those, mate, and you'll be, you'll be getting carried <laughs> off the field. You'll soon sort it out. <laughs> um, I stay quiet, mate. I don't. I encourage boys, but if someone's, I, I didn't actually notice that they were doing that bad a kick, and I'm not trying to defend the bloke. I openly say if he did, but in that moment in the game, I wasn't thinking fucking out. Faz isn't kicking well, or Lenny's not kicking well. I was just thinking. We need to pull something out of the fucking out of our right here, you know. When you're in a game, you're blowing out your hoop. Right, I've got to get my my game in order. You can't really be worrying about someone else's. You've got to, you encourage, and that's about it, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think in that game we trust our process and our system as any team does, and the plan that you got going into the game. And I think maybe Scotland were brilliant. Don't get me wrong, and I don't think we were too good anyway. But Scotland definitely deserved to win. I think that the clock just. We thought, oh, it's going to come right, it's going to come right. And obviously, time just runs out, as it does in the game. You know, you've got eight minutes to do it. I don't think we would have... We should have enough time to find our feet. And those boys haven't played in a long time. Some of those Saris boys, not that that's an excuse for a, for a test match. But there's so many variables in sport. And then you get fans sort of bagging you, putting it down to, to one player, like Matt Dawson. Ellis, did you find that the, um, the, the isolation and kind of how you guys prepare for that week, because I, I know that there would have been some real tough training, kind of got the lads a little bit, because like you said, you ran out of time. Was that, does that sort of come across in that, in that game? Well, we spoke about that after. You know, it's like when you have all the players' meetings, and we didn't exactly have a panic meeting, but we, we obviously had to visit some things and speak about them as a, as a collective and sort out as players. I said to a few boys in my group, like, I'll be honest, lads, I do feel like we need to spend a bit more time with each other. And they said, well, we can't because obviously the COVID, the COVID stuff. But uh, I think, like, so when, when we're allowed to socialise and when we're allowed to mix those opportunities, I think we spent a bit more time doing so. We had a few more conversations, literally over WhatsApp, even though we're 10 metres away in different rooms, which is brutal again. And we just spoke a bit more and I felt like we clicked a bit better going into that early week, but it's definitely a lot more to come from us as a team. Was Eddie quite emotional after that game? Because I've never seen him lose his, like lose the plot or fire in. Scotland game? Yeah. Mate, he's obviously, he's an emotional bloke anyway, which is why he's probably such a good coach. I think he was fucked off, yeah. He didn't like, he didn't scream at us and, and go mental. But yeah, I'd say he's pretty fucked off. Like he took onus of it. He said it was because he didn't prepare us very well. I think we probably did help, you know, as a team. But like I said, mate, it's, it's sport. And when you're going so well and everyone wants you to to trip up, especially the Scots, then it's yeah. amazing. Isn't it? But do, did you find as well, because, you know, what we talked about with the, with the isolation stuff and obviously the decisions on the field, I know as a, as a players group, you do have guys who all have a voice, so don't they? So, so did you look at the mechanics of how that worked this week? You know, in terms of things that happen on the field, you don't just leave it up to Owen and Ben, but I know you might not necessarily be the one speaking, but you do sort of have a group that, that comes together, don't you? Yeah, I think like everyone, if you are like brand new into camps, your first day and, and that sort of stuff, and you're probably not speaking, but the way we've put the group together and the way Eddie sort of moulded us the last few years, like boys slowly develop more senior roles and whether that be recognised as someone who's in a leadership group or not, I do feel like you've got enough pull in yourself to pipe up and speak if you want. But 
like I said, I do feel too many cooks for the broth. So I, I'm not chirping every five seconds and, and giving my, my view on everything. I just trust that these boys got all the experience in the world. I'm going to back my mate and I'm going I'm to listen to him and I'm going to buy in. Otherwise, being a part of a team, you'd know if you're not pulling in the same direction, then you ain't going anywhere at all. Does obviously winning this week then take a bit of pressure off and going home, the isolation now? Do you feel like a little bit more together now you've got out there and won, everyone's a bit happier, no one's trying to knife you? Everyone's happier when you win. Uh, like I said with the Jack stuff, I wasn't in the best mood anyway. Everyone's happy when you win. Does it take pressure off us? No, probably not, because we're expect no disrespect to Italy, we're expected to beat them. And we want to go on to win the tournament. So we've got a lot to do before we can, I don't know, I guess relieve the pressure or the expectation off our shoulders. Because if you do want to go on to win the tournament, you've got to win every game from now on in, don't you? Like last yeah. year, we lost to France in our first game at home, went on to win the Six Nations. France did us a few favours, mind. Um, <laughs> but we went on to win the Six Nations and we've got the same aspirations this year. So if results do play in our favour, we've got to be ready to take the opportunity. What are you doing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? More kip, bit of gaming. My birthday tomorrow. So is it really? Oh, it is. A happy oh, birthday. birthday. What are you yeah. doing? A little time uh, curry, uh, the candle in it. Extended the Valentine's Day, have we? That tirade was amazing. Yeah, Valentine's Day was busy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my missus is uh, my missus is making a, a cheesecake for me. So yeah. were you at your workbench the whole most of the day? <laughs> I was working hard, yeah. Yeah, I thought you would have been. That's why you're so drained. I'm worried Chips about it. Are you, is your nutrition and hydration all right? Because I, I don't know, you're like, you know, you're, you're like your calories my salt, down. My, my salts are all over the shop. <laughs> I can imagine it is. I can imagine it is. Poor bloke. I feel sorry. Um, happy, happy birthday. How old are you? Is it, what is it? 20? 26 tomorrow. You're 26 tomorrow? Ooh. 26 tomorrow. Ooh, 24. Fuck me, mate. I wish. No longer one of England's young guns. So <laughs> no. Well, that's the anyway. thing, isn't it? 25, like I said to you, 25 is almost a cut-off point, isn't it, where you, yeah. you get considered as one of the youngsters. So 26, actually. I don't <laughs> feel... Like you st yeah, you're starting to think about it's the, your last contract. Your next contract's yeah. the last one. you got to maximise it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm maximising it. Go on, it's uppers. Um, <laughs> I want you to get up a rest. I want you going... Are you, the sauna's ready to go? Sauna's fired up, yeah. Mate, well done. Um, we're going to talk Scotland Wales, and if you haven't seen it, there's no point in yeah. dragging you into it. If you don't all right, boys. Okay. Thanks, Daddy. I'll speak Good to you see you again, G. Have a happy yeah, birthday. Boys. Well done, yeah, Alex. Thanks for right. dialing in. Bye, bye, bye. Very nice of him to swing by. It is really interesting, actually. I mean, A, it's fascinating getting that insight from the England camp. It's amazing how broken you guys get post a, an international. Does that ring bells and remind you what it was used to be like? Yeah, I mean, I'm more shocked about how someone's not happy. Um, I'm more amazed about what they have to deal with in just how they can't do anything together in camp. Right. I just, you know, you think, what, they've been in together now three weeks or whatever. Then they they play a game where they're literally smashing into each other. So if they were carrying anything anyway, they would it would be, you know, surely if they do everything in camp, they can sit and chat and how do you get through it like that? It'd be so... I mean, camp's hard enough. It has, camp can be boring enough as it is. Oh, my God. Yeah. Then if I mean, you I'm, I'm actually if, blown away. If you can't leave your room or do anything else, sod that. But, I, but I'm interested, actually, because I, I, spoke, I spoke to, I won't mention the name, after the game, because I was 
I was sort of always picking holes in the fact that why would you train all week, spend all time on a bus together, then when you sing an anthem, you you go two metres apart, and then this week it was one metre apart, and it's like, it's every ever-changing thing, like separate on the changing room, separate on the bus. Obviously, as someone like logic-based, I can't, I can't get my head around it. Then someone explained to me, well, firstly, someone said it's, it's to show that we're doing our bit, so if sports people are lucky enough to be taken to the field of playing, then they can adhere where they can. So it was for the greater public, which I don't buy into, which is fine, but I think it's a great PR spin. And then what this guy said as well, it's about mitigating circumstances. So for example, for every time that they get an opportunity to spend away, they mitigate the chance of people spreading it if they were to fail. That's why they separate. But I, I had heard, because I actually asked this guy about it, that the other teams in the Six Nations were not adhering to the same degree as England were. And I can't, there's no evidence to that. It, it could actually be utter bullshit. But what's interesting is talking to Ellis is how af- profoundly affecting that is because, you know, Tins is right. England camps are really tough. They're very intense. Media scrutiny, pressure. The one thing that gets you through it is sitting down, having a sappuccino. It's going, you know, it's coming off the training field the way Eddie trains you with that intensity and going, do you know what? Let's pop down to the ice baths. Let's have a protein shake. I'll see you in the sauna. Let's have a chat. Or we're going to get snacks later. I'll tell you what, we'll come to so-and-so's room and play some cards and have some food. Mate, being sitting in your room, and I know the whole world is going through this, but you're not asked to play and perform for your, for your country. And also, sitting in the living room with your nan, that is, makes no difference when you've got to like, bond with a teammate. You're not going to war with your, with your missus. We might be, but not in that sense. <laughs> so, so, so I think it's really interesting. Actually, I know he was playing it down, and I, don't, I always feel bad about asking Ellis questions of fair pace him coming on because he's still in camp and he's got to put a brave face to it. But I think that's a pretty difficult situation yeah. to be in like, for all the teams, yeah. um, for how they're meant to perform. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty difficult. You can see it sort of takes their toll because there's only so many video games and only so much wanking you can do before you're like, <laughs> get me out of there. Oh, before you've got blisters. Before you've got blisters. <laughs> before, before, before you've got no testosterone left to the point where when you're about to tackle someone from Scotland, you're like, oh, can we just have a hug, please, mate? <laughs> Are your t- is your testosterone heading back to where it needs to be? Has? No, not yet. I, I haven't been to the expert yet. No, I haven't been no. to t- t- and that's not for wanky, by the way, people. That's just generally... I've had a bit of a dip. Um, but going back to what you originally asked, uh, yeah, I mean, it does bring up memories. The, the couple of days after a test match, depending on how the test match goes, can be brutal. Uh, I was sort of a second-day syndrome sort of person, actually. Quite like the Sunday pain, which was all right, but wasn't too bad. But then it is the, the next day where the actual proper pain sort of kicks in. Uh, and, then, and then usually the day after you're in double double goo anyway. So I was always I was always two days after, and actually you know it's interesting because I you know how many times you've asked any everybody is Eddie a screamer yet? We've had, we've had nobody say that he's a screamer, mm-hmm. and the only person who's ever that's said yeah, that's, the only person who said he's ever lost it is Dylan. So far, that's the only player we've got, you know. And I, I never saw it, and I told you the whole time I was like, is he going to go? Waiting for the bomb to go off. You never did. And if anyone's going to push you to scream, I am. Just look at my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Good on Ellis for checking in. And I ask, I think the point you make is is a really valid one. You know, they are elite sports people who are very lucky to be doing what they do. And they have to stick their jaw out and be grateful that they've got the chance to do it. But actually, I think the reality is probably quite distant from the dream that we all have. I think... I think you've nailed it. So it was all right. Hopefully, that, you know, it, we're all out of this sooner rather than later. That's all we can. If say. you're Roger Federer and you're, you're operating on your own, it's not a problem. You're a single sportsman, but the whole beauty of being a team sport is the team. And yeah. uh, if that's kind of taken away, but I still yeah. don't know how they. I don't know how that works out. Like you're confined to your room the entire time unless you're training. 
And then it's like, hi, lads. <laughs> what have you been doing? Well, just on video games. Just they're actually, yeah, they're actually, can we actually do contact so we can hug each other? Please. <laughs> yeah. I want some contact. I want some contact. <laughs> Should we skip around the other games? Scotland-Wales. Here we were a week ago saying this is it for Scotland. The, the new dawn has broken. And here we are a week on. And... I mean, I took them by 12, 15-3 up or whatever they were. I thought, brilliant, this is, you know, this is remarkable. Do you look at that game, Tins, and think, how the hell did Scotland win that? Or lose that, sorry. Or do you look at that and think, Jesus, well done, Wales. It is so hard to nail their coffin shut. Yeah, well, we'll give, because we are a positive podcast, we will give uh, Wales a huge amount of credit for hanging in there and managing to come back in. And, and eventually turn it around and get that win. I think for, if I was in a Scotland camp and you look at 62% possession, territory, t- no, defenders beaten, 27 compared to Wales, six. You know, metres made, 508 to Wales is 188. So you, you will definitely look at that and they will be going, God damn it, we got that win last week and then we've gone and put ourselves in the position that we do so often and we thought we'd turned it around last week with getting the win and we've managed to sort of lose it. Now, obviously, the red card plays a massive role within that. Red, yes or no? Well, it, if he makes contact with his head, it's red. It's simple. I can't say I would have liked to have seen it as a yellow. But as Ellis was trying to describe, it's so hard to be able to mitigate the circumstances yourself as you're going, right, someone is going to be there to clear. I need to be making sure I'm travelling fast enough that I can clear someone out and then suddenly a head pops up in the way. The only thing I would say is when a forward's going to realise they can't do that, they can't tuck their arm underneath him. Well, he, had that, a, he hit his shoulder. I mean, he yeah, faked yeah, his but, arm out. Yeah, but he, no, no he had his, but his hand was in here. So he, he's gone like that. He hasn't gone like that, has he? He hasn't reached out. That is the only thing I could say that you would only mitigate your circumstances now if you are looking like you are going... <laughs> uh, looking like you're going, I'm just tackling the microphone. Looking like you're going to grab someone. I just, If you look at it and he's got it in like that, it's not as bad as what um, uh, Amani Hughes was last week, but you just can't risk it now. I mean, but then this is where it's going, is if you then get rid of crocodile rolling, you're going to go in questioning more than you can. It'd be easy turnover ball all day long. I mean, where do you sort of stop on it? I think it's just an unfortunate one. No one got hurt, so you've just got to take it. And unfortunately, it's probably cost Scotland a game. As the world's best ever six and a half hask, how do you solve this breakdown where you've got Jack Willis losing a knee on the one hand from someone who... Crocodile rolls them out of it. And then you've got two red cards in two weekends from players trying to get Jackers off the ball. I, I don't quite know as a player how you pick what it is you're meant to be well, doing. Do you know what? It is a really difficult question to answer. And I'm, I'm sure I'm going to upset a lot of people trying to do it. I, I will say that when I was playing, albeit it was a few years ago now. Um, oh, sorry. You know, interesting. Interestingly, when we when I first started and they went down to compete for the ball, you know, you obviously could do the net roll, which is actually was actually bizarre because if you turn someone's head and you learn it from wrestling, where the head goes, the rest of the body goes. So actually, people would automatically move out of the way. The only problem is obviously, you you know, with now bigger people, you get legs stuck. So if you pull someone's head and they can't move, then obviously you get into all sorts of issues. But actually, that was one of the the bizarrely one of the easiest ways to get people out to break that. What Tins has said now is that, and uh, same with the tackle, it has to come down to a nailing technique. And I just don't think, and I've seen it from age groups coming all the way through, and the work I had to do with Joe Worsley to be taught to tackle 
properly. It's just not done. Like the tackle technique is just not particularly good across the board. And the ruck carry out technique is not particularly good. The, the issue is that if you are a half a second off, then you adjust and then you start cheating. I've never gone into a breakdown like that. I would always, if someone's jackling, I would always try and put my hands underneath them to grab a limb, to grab a leg and clear them out or hit them with such violence with my shoulder legally that I would not, I would knock them off. Where people get wrong is if they're behind the behind the pace and don't deal with it. And I just really think it's, it comes back to a nailing of like technique. And it's not necessarily this generation of players. It's maybe the the younger guys who just really hammer it because I saw. Um, you know, so many people are still going high and the risk is so so bad. As I got older and less less mobile, I found it more and more difficult. But I saw one of the French players went to hit this big second row. I think he's six foot seven, the South African French guy. And he went to hit one of the... Um, Paul Willemsa. Yeah, Willemsa. Willemsa. And, and he went to tackle a player. And the bloke he tackled was ducking into him lower and he still was going low. And he hit him across as the bloke turned. He sort of caught him on his shoulder, rode up to his face, boom, penalty. And I'm like... That is important. There is, it's impossible. Nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do unless, unless he waited, didn't chase his feet, and just dived in under his, under his legs, which is, which is hard when you're trying to be aggressive. So there isn't a real clear answer. But I would say that there technique is. needs to be hammered. And I think there is better technique for us. And I think there's actually better things you can do. And normally, when people are doing that, it's because they've got shit technique and they're too high you would actually end up fucking yourself up. I'd worry about fucking dislocating my shoulder trying to do that as opposed to hitting someone. Or if I was playing against, um, you know, say Jack Willis, who I knew he was going to get over the ball, I'd get him before he even got on the ball. So as soon as, it, like, as, soon as I saw the breakdown, you just pick him out and deal, and deal with him. As soon as you get him into that position, you're already on top of him and then you have to start rolling him, crop rolling him, more likely to fall on him. It's just the way, the way teams need to be coached. And I think, do you know what? People will get more breakdown turnovers by referees doing what Tins is saying. Pick up all the shit, organise all the shit, make sure actual real good te um, technique is employed and it will change it because you'll have to change it. It is a real bugbear that I've got. I'm just watching it over and over again and, and every time... I, so, Fagerson, as he's coming in, can't take into consideration the fact that Hogg is trying to roll him. He's also trying to cro sort of crocodile roll him up and actually pulls his head up, which then leads to him basically... It actually gets him almost high enough that he goes underneath it because he does go low, but then he can't wrap his arm because Hogg's in the way as well, but then he still does tuck, so you would say he's still got to try and do that. I mean, there's so many things going on, uh, and for the referee, it's an easy decision. Does your shoulder make contact with the head? Is it at force? If he could say, well, look, his arms... Because as he goes, he, he goes that way, so then it obviously comes like that. Then he, it's an easy decision for him. Now, it's an impossible decision for Fagerson as he's going in to change what he's doing. Would I say his body height was good? Yes, it was. It was low. Was he just very unlucky that someone's pulled a head up? If he was still over it in the way he would, there wouldn't be an issue. He would have just, like uh, Hass said, he would have probably got that arm through, but he would hit him with a violent force that would, would move it. My issue with the breakdown at the moment is how many people kick their feet back and are not supporting their body weight, so which leaves you no seam. Haskey's talking about getting sort of through people's arms so you can split their arms and then you're underneath them and you clear them out. If you're holding your body weight, you can't be that, unless you're Jack Willis, you can't get that low that you can't have a seam that you can clear through. Whereas at the moment, there are still so many people who drop over and then just throw their feet back two feet and you can't get underneath that. So then the next option is just to pile them in the back. And do you know, or and do you know, what's, do you know what's made life even more difficult slightly? So when, you know, obviously they've now got that, the, the, the gate. So you're always supposed to come through the gate to clear people out. 
But what's actually quite nice, if, you, if I go head on head, right, and, and the presentation of what you see is the back of my head, my neck and my shoulders, and I get so low, there isn't a lot of space. What I used to do, what we would always try and do occasionally, was just come at a slight angle so that you would have the gap between the head and the shoulder, the neck, or the gap between your leg, your thigh, and your arm, and you would be able to put your head in there. More often than not, when people tackle high, it's because they don't like tackling low, and it takes a fuck a load of balls to stick your head into someone's knee area, and it's the same thing with a breakdown. People who shit at breakdowns, they run in because they keep their head high because they don't want to put their head in. People who crop roll because they've got their late or they have, they've, missed, they've mistimed or you know, they don't want to put their head in. If you come into a breakdown at a slight angle and smoke someone with a full shoulder, full arm, they're, they're going to go. And if they don't, then they're fucking, there's, not, there's nothing else you can do about it. And I just think those little nuances of technique, especially around the tackle area, I still see people just don't do fucking leg tackles. You can still bury someone with going low. Like two of you can still absolutely bury someone, but we still, still don't quite nail that, I think. It's the word nuance again. The, 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 what, what I find myself as a complete nutter sort of amateur virgin virgin yeah (laughs) wimp or weed or whatever it is i just find it you know everybody says he made contact with the head it's a red card yeah of course it is by the letter of the law but what you're asking a guy to do at the 21 stone is run repeated sprints for 55 minutes put national pride on the line you're then asking him to identify you know, a danger area, which he's got to do something about. He's got to commit to it, otherwise he's not doing about it. And in a split second, he's doing something about it. The picture that he's aiming for changes because someone else has influenced the scenario. And I just, you know, it's, it's the game. I mean, ultimately, that's the game of rugby. But I'm just, I, I have so much sympathy for Fagerson. Omani perhaps, you know, knew more towards what it was he was doing and yeah. saw an opportunity. But you get the sense with Fagerson that he's trying his very best to do what it is he's meant to do and yet the circumstances change completely out of his control with a split second's notice, and suddenly he's cost his country the game. And that, that's just where I, and that, where I that find is, it really hard. Yeah, that is where I would have liked the referee to mitigate that down. Because he was what, given the option, but said what, no. Yeah, because you could see the TMO actually was trying to say, look, no, this, yeah. he's gone. Because he does sort of slide oh, underneath him. And the fact that Hoggard sort of has rolled him, which has stood him up. And yeah, I would have liked that to have gone to a yellow card. But, you know, the referee is, his safety is, I can stick to the tick, 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 and then... But imagine, but, uh, just hypothetically, right? So if, I, so if I'm coming to clear someone out and they're over the ball, right? And they, get, and they get hit by someone else and he pops up and I'm at the perfect height and I pop up and I smoke him right in the head, chest and knock him off the ball. And they give me a red, they give me a red card. Like... I yeah. it's not my problem. That's not my, you know, it's like this, this African guy. If you drop your head in to somebody and, and, and you're falling to the floor and you've happened to sag and the, go, the guy was at your knees and by the time your head's at his knees and you whack him in the head. I, I, they, these bits I don't get because I, I, 100%, I'm obviously an ambassador of a head for change. I want people to do more concussion. I want people to do less, less contact training. I want to make rugby safer. I know Ben Ryan's like a, a good friend of the show and he really... Um, you know, he's on it, talking about another crop roll, the injuries and damage, uh, injuries and damages. What does it take to get them banned, right? But you're still, like, if you take these other elements away, these other tools away, you are just asking for blunt, head-on-head violence. Blunt force drama. You're, you are honestly asking me, you're asking me as a player, so I'm on, I'm, I was 120 kegs, running into somebody else who can get into a lower position than me. I wouldn't, I'd never go like that. But I go, I'm going to fill him in because I've got to. I've got to. And it's the same thing when you go to these judiciary hearings with these old fucks who know nothing about the game, who turn around and you go, 
Well, what I try, what you try to do here? Well, I tried to smash him. Show me where this has happened from the exact one. Show me in the rules where it says use the word smash. Well, it doesn't. I just meant I'm, I'm, it's a physical game of tackle. Yeah, but you use the word smash. That institute, you know, that, that insists on violence. And I went, well, sorry, are we, are we pretending that we're not playing a violent game here? And this is what I don't understand, is that we need to be safer. We need to be better. But you cannot make a contact sport safer. You can do stuff around it. You get better experts. You can do things. You can make things more sensible. Mm. And you can, but you've got to expect that if you're going to make these rules they are, every game is going to have someone's going to get a red card. And the more we tighten up, the more going to happen. And maybe, maybe we just have to ride now. Maybe we just have to own the fact that people get red card and it's not such a big sin, you mm. know, because every fuck is going to get one. And there's so, so many. If you went through every breakdown, you could probably you could probably pull a red card at every breakdown. Yeah, so that's what that's the other thing I was going to say. How many rucks are there on average in a game? Two hundred. Well, would you like to know? Yes. Well, from the <laughs> week uh, from the weekend, yeah, I would say generally there would be a yeah yeah two hundred. So I reckon I reckon if you were, if you do the forensics and someone out there will be able to do that for us, you will be able to find what two, three, four other examples where. People have cleared out in the manner that Zander Fagerson did, but not got caught, and therefore, yeah. that, that, that's just where for for a layman who watches the game, it's I, I get frustrated with the sport because it's such a difficult thing you're asking these players to do. It's almost an inevitability that people are going to get it wrong because of the forces and the factors in play, and yet there are other examples in the same game where the same thing happens, and yet you're not picking up on it. It's where I wondered. I mean, someone sent two really good points to me on Instagram actually one said what about an orange card so where's Zander Fagerson has got it clearly wrong he has to go but you don't punish the entire team it's such a marginal fractional it's like a it's like a a two two personal fouls in the NFL where you get ejected from the game but you don't lose out because someone else plays so your sub comes back on and the hope is that the, the sub is therefore I don't know whatever it is. I think, that, I think that's a great idea because I, th- I just think if you're going to do that and if you're actually going to nail it to the letter of the law, I think the first point was better technique across the board. Start, starting in school, starting in Versa, actually teach people how to tackle, teach people how to ruck and nail it and consistently get it right uh, uh, because that's the only way. I think the second thing is, is like you said, ex- exploring that because if you want to do it to the letter of the law, every game you're going to have a red card and it's only going to get worse because the more... We, the more we've now brought it in, they've made such a rob for their own back. There's no backing down now. There's no backing down. You can only get more extreme. So we'll take crop rolling out. Yeah. Well, okay. We'll take what, what is left. So, so the other thing I want to ask you, Hask, is back in 1988, when I first started playing rugby union, and I had a pair of Wade Dooley Adidas high-top boots, whatever yeah, happened yes. to the high-tops. Yeah. You must there, there was no jacket. You, you must have had steel toe caps as well, being worried about your little tootsies. I think I probably toes. did, yeah. yeah. I think I probably shin pads as well. <laughs> the, I have visions of standing in the pouring rain, cold and wet and wanting to go in, but just repeatedly being shouted at by our rugby master saying, step over the tackled man. And the way that the breakdown was, was there was no jackling, there was no hands on the ball. You literally had to push over but do you remember this or is this yeah, a different yeah no idea, yeah, yeah. I do, I do, I do. yeah yeah is the jackal now such a fundamental part of the game rugby will never go back or does shoe pie and the days of brian moore coming in at 60 miles an hour and just shredding backs <laughs> and shirts and all those in front of him i've never seen no, anyone lose an acl an acl to being caught on the wrong side of a ruck yeah, no, but, because it'll, but, give, it'll give someone like Brian Moore a career. We, we, can't, <laughs> you cannot become famous for getting filled in by French people. Like, what? Tons of your career stats. I've got a fight with him, I've got a fight with him, I've got filled in by him, I've got punished in the face by him. 
Okay, well, okay, please come and present our TV show for us. Well, there um, you go. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult now because now if you did that, you'd just get counter rock someone would fly back through the middle and knock you all the way back to, to your own post. So, I mean, the game, the game has changed so much in terms of the competition at breakdowns now. There were only a handful of people who could, could do it 20 years ago. And now everyone is, it's part of your, your toolkit is to be able to get over ball, counter rock um, just be a nuisance. That's all you're trying to be is a nuisance. And then the attackers now are, have got to go into every rook planning that there's going to be a nuisance there. So A, you've got to be travelling and B, you've either got to beat them for height or you've got to beat them for power to mo- remove them. And when you combine the two and you just get it a split second wrong or the picture changes as you've already set your height, you cannot do anything about it. I mean, he, Fagerson could not do anything differently, the picture he was shown. But then you just go, well, is that the rules? And you just take that. And and this is the thing, this is the thing is, I don't think that he should then get banned. I think if you go back and review that, he shouldn't get banned. He's been punished going off and it's probably cost his side a test match and then you're going to stick a two-game ban on him or something for a red card. It's probably going to cost him, I mean, if he is banned, it'll cost him a spot on the Lions tour. So I, well, I think certainly contention. From yeah, that. I think I mean I think it's now with how easy it is to get red cards. There are still intent red cards that have got malice yeah. and should deal with a judicial process and be banned. But there are red cards now that are just red cards because yeah. of how we set the law. And you accept it, players just go shit. I did make contact with his head. I've got that's a, a yeah, very okay, good that's a red point. card. But why should I then get punished again? for something you can't really do anything about. And there are loads of them. And you could even argue Omani, but his was with a little bit more intent. But I don't want to see all my best players getting banned for three weeks just because of how the law is now. A red card for malice is completely different. If someone kicks someone, punches someone, then they should get a ban afterwards. Now we've got to the point where red cards are just a weekly part of the game then you shouldn't be getting punished for weeks on end if it's not done with a, a, a sort of malice that deserves it. You are right, bizarrely. I'd never thought of that. If you, if you actually took out jackaling and then, and then oh, just allow people to seal off, because you can't... Because you know what I said earlier? Well, like, if you get there before they get there and then you stay over there, but if you go and don't support your body weight, then that's sealing off, so then you let them back in. And if you let them back in, then you have to clear them out. I and mean, there's no space to clear them out. They've actually... They've, they've answered and solved their own problem, but made everything <laughs> illegal... Everything's illegal to do that you could stop doing it, but you're still, they they want to have a game, but you can't have a game because you will fuck each other up so you'll get a red card. (laughs) They've actually, what's that loop, that thing, a loop that basically infinity. Oh, yeah, (laughs) like a never ending (laughs) circle or whatever it's called. It's a never ending because if you seal off, you're fucked. If you compete, you're fucked. If you clear out wrong, you're fucked. I don't know what they do. If, do you know what they should do? Just take out Jackling and let you seal over the top and enjoy it. If you yeah. can count bloke sealing over the top, yeah. and then it's fine. But yeah. the other thing about taking out Jackling is that in order to win the ball at a breakdown or, or, or uh, steal the ball back from a breakdown, you're going to have to put more men in, which in turn yeah. opens up the field and creates yeah, more space. Yeah, take out Jackling and just do the thing where you push each other out like Joan Lerman rugby, where you're like, ah, yeah. Yeah, count yeah, rock, yeah. you've won it, yeah. and pass it out. Or you have to step over to Jackal because then yes. it, gives you a, it, yes. gives you a pla- it gives you a place yes. to clear out. 
So if you don't step over to put your hands on the ball, you can't have both feet behind the tackle person on the floor and go over the top. You have to be able to get over it with one leg and then stack it. And then, it, I tried and then well. you're just going to get melted. Absolutely melted. At every scene. And you'll find out that, that people against, don't want to do that again. I tried that against France, where basically all I did is I bounce up, have one leg either side, the man was holding it with one hand, and basically just trapped one leg and broke my base. My, now I've got no I've got complete arthritis and no cartilage in my right ankle because it basically went the other way so no let's just do the old thing where you both step over you're not allowed to go down for the ball you just charge like that that's it everyone's hitting d and circle you have genuinely just sold <laughs> better technique in the tackle and no more jacklers welcome to entertain rugby I've just realised that poor Jack Willis is going to be watching this with his head in his hands, having <laughs> <laughs> having taken away the, the greatest strength of his game. Jack, let's keep let's keep jackling until you're back. Or um, certainly wish he has a, a really a really speedy recovery. I can't believe we've also done 25 minutes on the breakdown. Who'd have no, thought it? No. Quick other headlines. Good luck Lewis Reece with editing that. I know. Tins Lewis Reece Samet. The real deal. How exciting. I mean, how much. Does rugby need a, an LRZ right now? I can't really fault him. You know, I talked to a few guys. I did something with Shanks and, and how grounded he is as well and level-headed. And he just talks about getting better. And you can never, you can't, you can't underestimate the ability of having just out-and-out speed. And he, he's just got out-and-out out speed. rapido. But then what he's got is nous Because that try he took last week where he moved his hips out. You know, we talk about Johnny May and Johnny May jumped up. He dived for the line, twisted, so that even if someone hit him, they were knocking his legs out, but they couldn't get them down on the floor. And, you know, the finish that he had, he just seems to have that the game goes slower when he's got the ball in his hands. He understands that, you know, the chip kick over for a man of his age, just so cool, calm, on the money. But yeah, I think I think he's great for the sport. He's great for Welsh rugby. And, you know, hopefully they can they can get the ball to him more often and we can see him go on and score a shed load more. i tell you what I loved in his post-match interview was how comfortable he was and how, you know, smiley, relaxed, but how much... I think his exact words were something along... Well, I think his, his words were, I'm just so enjoying playing at this level. And yeah, he just looked at his Twitter feed and said how many Valentine's days he had. <laughs> of course, it was casual. <laughs> um, yeah. Some might say to the man of born. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also threw out... I've, I've worked Twitter out. Um, it's only taken 12 years or whatever it is. But you, you make a statement and then you just turn it off for a little bit and get another glass of wine. You come back and everyone's fighting with each other and then you just chuck <laughs> out another statement. Anyway, I chucked out a statement after Stuart Hogg's second try. I said, Hogg for Lions captain, following in the footsteps of Big Gab, which is obviously Hastings, not Henson. Mm. And, and the world sort of erupted off the back of it from put the red wine away to, I presume you don't watch much rugby with a comment like that. <laughs> you know, lots of others saying, good call, nailed on starter. And Jim Hamilton, who said maybe only the thing you maybe the only thing you've said that makes sense. What about Hoggett, a skipper? I mean, if you're looking at players guaranteed at the moment, there aren't many, but he has to be in right in front of that queue, doesn't he? Generally, as much as I love Hoggy, I don't I don't like a fullback as captain. You know, you you saw it with a few of the decisions that they made in front of the post and how long it took. There's always constant debate because you had a few people who wanted to take a scrum, and then there was. Do you take the three straight in front of the post? I, I did the I did the opposite tweet that then also got the one where I went, why are they not taking the easy three? And then I wrote underneath it, 
but I know that they're going to score and then I'll be like, great decision. And then mm-hmm. two minutes later, they score in the corner. I'm like, I told you it was a great decision. Take a scrum. Yeah. But the decision-making process took so long because you've got to go through your... That is the only reason. I think Hoggy could captain it. Got, I've got no issues around that. But at fullback, it's just, you're just so far away from the action and the referee. It just makes it, it, makes it just a bit of a nightmare, really. I mean, I, I sometimes found it difficult mm-hmm. when I was at 13, let alone... Is 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 Hog your starting fifteen at the moment though for the Lions? Uh, At the moment, yeah. Off the back two, off the two games, yes, without doubt. I think uh, Keen Keenan has had two good games as well. Um, Bryce Doolan would give Hoggy a go if he could play for the Lions, but uh, yeah, I think Hoggy is is the form fifteen at the moment, and it would be nailed on at the moment. God, they must be so irritated to have lost that game. Can I give a shout? Because people seem to be like, oh, there's no nines around. Ali Price. Played brilliantly. It was brilliant. That little chip over for Darcy Graham was outstanding. And I think he's been, I think he's been great in both games. But, you know, that try that was disallowed and just yeah. hit the wrong man. And, you know, I, I think they played so well. I'm not taking anything away from Wales. I, I, but I do think that, that on the showing, I think uh, Scotland deserved to win that. But is this going to be that Welsh t- I did put a, I know. an Instagram up of the, the referee with a red card and say this is Wales' best player, <laughs> just to just to sort of throw a little throw a little fire in there. But yeah, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see if, is this going to galvanise them and just by keeping on winning and not necessarily playing all the rugby but getting the job done. Is that going to be their story? I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. Um, Hask, true or false? Do you watch the Dublin game? Yes, I did. I, I, do you know what? I watched the last 30 minutes. I didn't see all of it. True or false? Answer. The French, Le Bleu in full flight, is the most beautiful thing in rugby. Yeah, I just think so. Because I, I said when I, I played, I said, it in, I said it in my book, that I think to a man, as individuals, I think they are the most talented players in, in the world. Like, I, I really think watching them operate, the way they play, their, their heritage, they're, they're like incredible. You know, the, the old stereotype thing is what, what's going on upstairs. But actually, they, they are amazing. Like I, I, every time we play a, a French team, they, you just realise how dangerous they are across the board. And I think to watch them and the talent they've picked and how they now seem to be galvanised, they seem to just have that professionalism level seems to have gone up. Um, Dupont is obviously like pulling the strings. And also, I, you know, I know we always pipe him off. He's so strong in the tackle as well. In that last few minutes, he picked off the back of a beautiful interplay between nine and a, nine, a hooker in the nine, fended a couple of people, still going. Man, I was like, oh my God, because he looks quite small. He's got great guns on him. He understands yeah. the uh, idea. You've got man crush on these guns. You mentioned his guns oh, last week. I know, mate. It's unbelievable. For a, for a little general, he was, he was doing well. But I think, I think France are super exciting and actually... You know, obviously, my allegiance is always with England, but I think them just doing well and, and getting some consistency is the key. And, that, and for them to go away and win in Dublin for the first time, and was it like 20 years? Something like that, was it? How long was it? Something like that. Yeah. 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 Something like that. I was, I was very happy. Do you see them all singing Free from Desire? So there's that great, you know, Free from Desire. Da, 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 free from Desire. Yeah. But they don't know the words. Like, I don't know the words. Yeah. It's like, Free from Desire. No, 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 free from desire. Uh, <laughs> um, did you see Sean Edwards 
Parlez Francais très bien on, uh, in the build-up to that. Who I did. You? I did see that. I mean, it just sounds weird with the full northern accent, though, doesn't it? Wigan accent. Uh, the Wigan uh, burr to the most. I, I, did, I did see it. Um, I tell you what, that, that try, I mean, that is what is brilliant about France. And, and it's offloading. I'm going to bring it back to offloading because going back to the last game, Finn Russell's offload to Van der Merwe was insane. Well, yeah. He got smashed behind the guy now. He spins, yeah. manages to get his arm out and throws it out. Fair play to the Welsh 13, who's made the best tap tackle in yeah. the history of tap tackles and saved yeah. them that game. Because uh, Reese Zammett had fallen over, didn't he? So he, he must yeah. have been clearly just going to have a clear run to the line. It's the best tap tackle ever. But that France try of the offload from Jalibert back on the inside, Dupont then back o- over the top, carrying, and then Gail Fiku with the little dummy and then the oh. little basketball pass over the top. When they play like that, they're just on another level. And, and I'm going to give Ireland credit. They played at a, a lot quicker tempo. Try that was unfortunately disallowed uh, for low. Again, it's sometimes nice when either Ross Burns in there or Billy Burns is in there. There is just, ball seems to go that little bit wider into that wide channel. And they then played with high tempo ball and they look way better when they do it. They still play a similar way, but it's done better when it's, Quick I thought that last 20 minutes, actually, Ireland were going we're gonna to do it. You know, there was a yeah. real nice p- patch. Well, I, I sort of just tuned in. We're watching it, you know, as I said, France attacking, got really close to the line. Jalibert went for the drop goal. And I thought Galtier was going to come out of the box <laughs> and like some fill something in. Because, you know, the one thing you've got to notice about the French is if you ever watch the top 14, all the coaches in France are like failed actors. Because like, they always know they're on camera. They're always like, ah, oh, all this shit, right? So he, well, Jalibert's gone for that drop goal for no reason. They should have held on to it. And he's missed it. Galtier's gone mad. Then Ireland hopped the ball and you think, oh my God, I'm going to win it here. Because at Gibson Park, you see him down the touchline, about to go in, no look out the back yeah, door, yeah. low, running in, but then he couldn't keep it in. I thought that was their kind of moment. But they actually did in that period, but they looked like a really good Ireland side. You know, CJ Stander firing in. I always say his name wrong. Lamour? Lamour? Lama. 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 Lamour. He was... Lamour. I thought he was really dangerous. Obviously, just... You know, they were so close. I thought they were going to do it. They had a lot of ball. But then the the little bits for France are 11 clean breaks to four and and the fact that they did 12 offloads to three. I think watching teams offload, keep the ball off the floor, it's just... So it's just a different game to watch them when you can do that. Then we won't, well, we won't even have the clean-out debate. Just keep it off the no, floor. Two ways you offload, offload. We have spent a lot of time talking about rugby. I just quickly want to touch on the fact that with Mathieu Jalabert, Damien Penaud, Bryce Doulan, you could probably throw in there, and Teddy Thomas off the bench, and then you throw in Roman Untermach and Sofitan Jatun. Is there a side in world rugby that has better hair in their back line? <laughs> in that collection. I know I'm coming to the two of you on this, but I mean, that is about as well quaffed as you will find yeah. anywhere, possibly in any sport. It's quite outstanding, to be fair. And that is a Vidal Sassoon advert right there. L'Oreal, watch out. But what, I mean, just to go a step further, I mean, uh, Chloe was, you know, was cooing, cooing over the <laughs> Italians, right? But obviously the French, I think, are, I don't know, you know do, are the French the most dreamboat side in the world? Because it's not my boat, that, but even I'm, you know, some of them are just... Beautiful. I'm sailing in it. I'm sailing it. Do you know what? I'm taking up sailing. I put my armbands on and I bought a boat and I might just... <laughs> I might be going, I was out there pedaling, paddling out to the lads. Best hair. Maybe ask the audience, are they... That is a social post. Yeah, that is a social post. We'll come back to that. The other thing quickly, just on Sean Edwards, we talk a lot about players, bolters, runners and riders for the Lions tour. 
how much does Warren, Warren G want to reunite the band with Sean Edwards as his defence coach to take on the box? Hask, you know them both? Oh, well, I mean, I would. I mean, I, no, no offence to Andy Farrell, but I mean, Sean's a wizard. Well, Andy Farrell, presumably, he's going to be taking Ireland away. Yeah, and now, you know, but listen, now he's a bilingual Sean Edwards. He can say, mate, fucking hit that <laughs> in 500 different <laughs> languages, or in two languages. You know, I think that's unbelievable. I would 100% get him on. Why can you not? Can you, can you do that? Yeah, well, that's it. I, I, I wonder whether the FFR will let him go, but I imagine if he's clever, his, his agent will say, let well, me go, and I'll be working with the best of British talent two years out from a Rugby World Cup. And that can only be a good thing in my role as French defence. Yeah, and I would have, I would have thought that he would be smart enough to have put that in his contract before yeah. he even signed. Do, do, you reckon he's, do you reckon he says the same in French when he, when he, he went? I remember his turn to one of his young players. He went, "Mate," he went, "Hey, do you know what fucking defence is?" And the kid was looking at him. He goes, "I tell you what, it isn't something that goes around your fucking garden, you prick." <laughs> I wonder if we translate that. Why do we translate that in French? French, 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 French. 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 That's what you, you speak. French. That's what you speak. Well, I do. Yeah, I do. I do French. <laughs> I just love the fact. I, it, it, it really impressive. French just shows his commitment to the cause, isn't it? And if you're, if he's going to get his players to commit to him, obviously he's got to show commitment to them. I just, he's a clever guy. Very, yeah. very clever. I think. I think um, it'd be brilliant. I think it'd be brilliant. I, I, I'd love to see him back in the mix of that. Okay, we're going to have more of the re-emergence of France on next week's Good Band Rugby as we welcome the newest member of our team to proceedings. Very relevant, um, very ethereal and a very good addition to our squad, I can tell you that. Uh, we'll leave that one hanging, but we'll, um, we'll pick up next week. Shall we quickly do... We've had a whole lot of questions in this week. Shall I pick out some of the goodies as we I was we just going to say, before you do that, do you not find it depressing now that we've got a week off? Because I've really enjoyed this Six Nations. You know, yeah. it's been better than well, the Autumn Nations Cup already. We've had loads. We've had five five bonus points. Is that right? Yeah, we've four out of six have finished within five points, and we've had four away wins in six. I mean, I just and the rugby's been have been good. Obviously, the weather wasn't great last night for the England Scotland game, but it was a fantastic game to watch. All the games have had something in them to watch. Yeah, so I'm a bit. I feel a bit robbed that we haven't got anything this weekend. I'm a bit robbed as well because I've got no corporate work as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. It, mean, it means that it means that people might actually start listening to our predictions on the Premiership. You guys are you guys are terrible at that shit, honestly. Right, you're doing it on your own this week. Quick fire questions. Let's do a couple of these. Who's been the most impressive player from each country? England. Anthony Watson for last. Uh, yeah, I mean, just for the weekend. Uh, great yeah. shout. Uh, why can't we give him the ball more often? Doesn't everyone? think that he's going to do something when he gets the ball. I want to see how many up and downs with his knees he could do in, in 60 seconds because literally he's like that and his head shakes and then you think, which way is he going to go? And the way he finished that try, I, I called it before he even got to him. I was like, he's going to score this. Step on me oh, I, that's one point I wanted to bring up. How fucking annoying was it for, was it for him that the bloke didn't give up? He was uh, like... Ah! Ah, running like this, and he looks over, and you're like, "Come on, mate, Italian, just have a day yeah. off, like, chasing all the way to line." So I mean, like, it, was it like Lorenzi, the, the the forward? I was like, like yeah. second row, you can give up. You yeah. don't yeah. need to chase give back. Up. No one's going to go. Oh yeah, you could have got it. Work harder. Uh, just give it up, mate. There's nothing worse than that, poor bloke. Yeah. Um, okay, that's not that quick fire. Uh, uh, Italy. Yeah, who was the best? Who's been the best Italian? All uh, their ten. Yeah, no, no, the I winger, the winger, um, related to Montiuani. Yeah, yeah. Montiuani. Uh, I think Varney's been all right as well. Yeah, Varney. Uh, Sc- uh, Scotland, Finn Russell, Hogg. Yeah, Watson. Wales. There's quite a few. Uh, Lewis Rees Samet. Uh, Lewis Rees Samet. Ireland. 
Hugo Keenan. Keenan, yeah. Uh, Robbie, Robbie Henshaw's done really well oh, as well. He's been brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, France? Dupont. Dupont and, and Bryce. I mean, fullback's been good. He has yeah. gone well, Bryce did, hasn't he? Who is the front runner for the Lions 10 shirt? Says Jason Matthews. Well, Finn Russell, without a doubt, right now. Yeah. But I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll get picked by Gavin. How well did Italy actually play this weekend? All the talk about England, but how good were the Azuri? Well, I mean, I think, look, they, they scored two tries. I thought they tried to be creative. You know, against, um, against France, they obviously, they, their kicking's a bit bizarre. They just aimlessly boot the ball as hard as they can down the field. But when they actually kept the ball and made some line breaks, they didn't just throw the ball up in the air. They actually look quite good. I think they are heading in the right direction. The problem is that you, it's just not fast enough, but I thought they did pretty well, and I was quite excited by them, and I enjoyed it. And I think they've got some dangerous players in there, some skills these days. I think <laughs> they offer more doing what they're doing now than they've done in the past. I don't when they just try to defend and get penalties and kick the ball is pretty dull to watch. But I think the way they play, do like has said, I think they've got some good athletes in there now. They just need to put some nuts and bolts together around a few things and. As I say, they, they made lots of meters. They they made five clean line breaks. They made a lot of carries in attack. They're coming together, but they need to get their nuts and bolts like their kicking game exit plan together. But would I prefer them to just run it from everywhere and, and show that? And then if they get caught a bit, and fair enough, they, why not? Because it makes it more entertaining for us to watch. Good on you. Oman says, if you could replay any Six Nations game ever, which one would it be? Oh, the one where we lost the Grand Slam. Well, the, the, the three Grand Slams. Uh, either one of the, I mean, two against Ireland, one against Wales. I would say the one against Ireland, uh, away in Ireland in yeah. 2011. And, yes. It's so interesting you go, though, with a, an itch you want to scratch rather than a date where you were invincible. I thought you might say that Wales game in 2010. In the, no, if, oh, if, 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 you, if you replay it, are you guaranteeing the same result or are you replaying well, yeah, it I mean, because you want to change it? it. Oh, right. but, yeah. I didn't think. I didn't think that's a great idea, Alex. I love how your brain works. I was thinking about exactly what you said. or something that I would like to change. But instead yeah. of going, I haven't played for a while, let's revel in it, get the stash on, beats in, you know, people's favourite for 24 hours before I'm hated <laughs> again. Tins? Uh, well, for losing, it would be... The Scotland loss in 2000, the Grand Slam. Uh, winning, it would probably be that the Australia win in two in the autumn. That's not a Six two. Nations game. Oh, did it have to be Six Nations? Sorry, I was just yeah. thinking ones that I'd like to play again. I was thinking of the emotion thing. Uh, Neither, I, was that the I, two? Was that the summer tour? Oh three, your Australia. No, game? no, no. I was going the first time we won in the autumn series. Oh, is that when Bulls showed the Bosch, top for Luger? Yeah, that one in the corner. And Luger's yeah. got it down! Yeah. Oh, that was a hell in of the day. Six Nations, I'll take the 2003 Grand Slam in Ireland because it was a hell of a night out after. What did you do when you scored? What did you do? Yeah, fucked my ankle. Yeah, I don't know how. I, keep, I watched it back and I don't know how I did, but I did, yeah. <laughs> Quite badly. But yeah, I didn't do what I said. I went and got absolutely smashed. Yeah. It was the size of, a, size of a balloon last night. Can we just say, can anyone write in, please? Because that was the medical advice that I was believed to be true. I might be completely wrong. So if someone <laughs> can come in and point that out, but that's what I was believed the reason for. I thought like Ellis, Ellis is drinking Guinness and going in and getting an operation. <laughs> I think something's not changed. I'll tell you what, let's do the last one from Jack Grady. Thoughts on Mike Brown's comments on Eddie? And I suppose actually that brings us full circle, Hass, because you were talking at the start about the fact that you're always being accused of being an, an Eddie sort of apologist or whatever. Thoughts yeah. on Brownie's views? I haven't seen it. What's he said? 
he said that he thinks the players should challenge Eddie more. And when he challenged Eddie, he got hoofed out of the, the squad along with Danny Kerr, who did the same, and Alex Good, who did the same. Oh, dear. Oh, mm. well, I, 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 well, I don't he's, know, because I've never challenged him. Yeah, he's not going back in there, is he? <laughs> I'm not going there. Yeah, he's, no, I don't think he'll be playing for England again. But no, look, look, there's one simple fact in life, and this is what I love about people who do business meetings, who do corporate speaking, who do teamwork and leadership, right? People talk about player empowerment and challenging people and being honest and open. There are ways of doing that. So where people go wrong is they stand up in the middle of a meeting and call someone out. And you're never going to win that. Same thing with your boss, same thing with your colleague. If you take someone to one side, you have a constructive conversation, but you understand the beast you're talking to. So I've worked with coaches who always advocated open thing, but they were fundamentally dictators. If you're too stupid to clock that, you know, that they have a reasonable margin of change and learning, but they're not going to fucking listen to you put stand up in front of a meeting then no I think I didn't see my I didn't see Brownie challenge I wasn't there I never challenged Eddie other than when we had the meetings to have the conversations where we'd sit as a group as a senior player and go and we would put the thing across to somebody and then Eddie would discuss it with us but no I didn't knock his door down and do it because I just didn't think why would he want to hear from me about those things where it wasn't that fundamental? Do you know what I mean? I remember there was one player when I was with Diane who wanted me to go out and call him up and say, could he change the clothing policy? Because this particular guy was sponsored by a sponsor we weren't sponsored in. And he was basically saying, oh, I don't feel part of the club because I have to turn up in the correct kit. And I went, sorry, you want me to challenge Di Young on you wearing the wrong kit as if that's a good idea? He goes, well, a couple of other players feel the same. I was like, fuck off and never call me again. And they're like, oh, I don't think you're the kind of captain we want. No, no. If you want a captain who's going to go in there and tell Di Young something that he's never going to listen to, you're, you're wrong. And I just think people need to have those nuances. But I never, I never challenged it. But I did, was forceful about my opinions in the right way, and I never got thrown out. Who was that player? Well, it doesn't take a miracle. Who do you think would get fussy about how they turned up wearing clothing? <laughs> I'd gone that in my postcodes. I, yeah. I, I just wondered whether you were going to confirm or deny. No, no, I don't need to throw, I don't need to throw anyone under the bus. Just know that's the kind of shit I had to put up with sometimes. <laughs> A couple of bits of housekeeping before we go. Don't forget our Premiership Preview on YouTube, which is out every Thursday with our friends at betuk.com, who are the official Premiership Rugby Predictor app. They are offering over 14 grand's worth of prizes throughout this season. The player with the most accrued points wins a five grand cash prize. The app is available exclusively on betuk.com's own app to players aged 18 and over. Uh, You can get it on iOS, you can get it on Android. Tournament 3 is now underway, and if you'd like to get involved, it's very simple to do so. All you need to do is download the betuk.com app, register or log into your account, select the Premiership Rugby Predictor from the menu, make your prediction of a home win, a draw, or an away win for all six of the weekend's Premiership fixtures, submit those predictions ahead of the weekend. Fingers crossed, you got the winner. Good luck. Don't forget, T's and C's apply. 18s and over only. Please be gamblerware.org and please gamble responsibly. We did a bit better last week. You got, did you get five out of six? No, we just got shafted on the Friday night, didn't we? By, uh, yeah, we got five out of six. I got but, four out of five. Yeah, because... what uh, I say? I mean, how the hell I mean, are you meant to pick I mean, an accumulator? I when... mean, this is it. I mean, this is it. You can't at the moment with rugby. I mean, it makes no sense. Who, who picks back <laughs> to go up there and turn over the stingiest defence who have won five on the five on the trot or whatever and then they get turned over at home by Bath who are look like have got the leakiest defence in the history of the planet. So yeah, you, I mean what can you do? And then Bristol almost cocked us up in the first game by, by being down for so long and then uh, throwing intercepts for fun to give Gloucester every every chance they could get. But uh, came good in the end. But so we did get five out of six, so that's not too bad. But 
Um, I tell you what we should quickly touch on is the relegation thing, because I reckon that's why Bath went and won at Sale, is because hours earlier they'd found, found out there was no relegation, and therefore suddenly the pressure's off and it's jue jue. Let's go and have a bit of a crack and see what we can pull together. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Hask, were you, were you at Wasps? When you escaped, I was at, I was at the Highlanders, and, it, yeah. and I was at the Highlanders, and my contract depended on. And I was what I remember That's watching right. it, and it was Tom Barndale made the first ever tackle of his career to stop yeah. Sam Besty yeah. scoring. Because if he wasn't, I was going to stay out there, and this all of this would never have happened because I might have stayed out, never got back into England, never to come back. Who knows? Um, but because he he tackled him, I then decided that well, I was already contracted and obviously couldn't get out of it. I went there, but <laughs> that was when I discovered we had no absolutely no money. We had a team. Our first, you know, like corporate evening was at a travel lodge, and the prizes <laughs> was a damaged box of um, <laughs> Rebellion Stout from Marlow, an old rugby shirt like for two thousand signed by everyone, and that was it. And there was no corporate sponsors. There was four tables in the room, and I was like, "Welcome back, the big Sal." Oh my. God, <laughs> hey, it was it was honestly the worst thing, and I can see Dai Young. He's like, don't, don't fucking say anything. God say anything. I was like, I won't. I think I think David Kirk, who's a, a fan of the show, a friend of the show, he was the he was everything. He was the whole event. So yeah, it was it was an eye opening experience. How far they've come now to Coventry and yeah. a Terry's chocolate orange with superficial box damage. Welcome home. <laughs> to the house. Yeah, yeah, a, a, a tie and uh, a tie and scarf set, you know, or medallion. Tie and set. blazer that's badge combination set. Yeah, 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 that's basically what it was. But, but but for all the corporate things, you know, the big glitzy nights. I'm telling you, a travel lodge, a conference suite with no decoration, five tables, box, shirt, you know, melted Terry chocolate orange, and David Kirk. And that was the big welcome back. No stadium, no ground, no training facilities, no nothing. It was honest to God, what have I got myself into? But, you know, we live to fight another day. Life is about the journey, not always yeah. about the destination. Tins, relegation, yay or nay? Yeah, we've talked about it before. I mean, I think for this year, I don't want it to stay. That is something I'll, I'll get out there right now. I, I don't want it to stay. But I think for this, this year, it does serve a purpose with obviously the championship kicking off a lot later than than anticipated and they would be finishing a lot later it'd make it very hard for the team coming up but as long as it I don't mind it this year I think it is it's a means to an end this year and then hopefully we can get it back to normal good any other bits Hask what, what brand endorsements have we got somebody did ask whether you were given product in your Durex deal or whether it was just cash I was genuinely called up the bloke and I was like I want a pallet load of everything you've got and it was what you mean <laughs> And I said, I want lube. I said, I want toys. I want, I want, any, I want, I want drill dose. I want everything that you could possibly get. And so anyway, they apparently they came back. Was, oh, people don't normally ask for those things. I was like, yeah. The best thing was I got interviewed for OK. I think I told you this. They said, are you having kids? I was like, well, obviously fucking not because I'm doing a Durex. <laughs> but they, but they, they didn't find it that funny. And they flat, like, Chloe's in the cage behind you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no wonder the shutters are down. <laughs> yeah. But uh, well, all that lube. Anyway, they, uh, uh, the big moment arrived. Your parcel from Durex is arriving. You know, you know DPD when they bring it, that basically introduces the bloke's family. They're like, hello, he'll be here this time. His name's Colin. His favourite colour is red and he works for DPD. Whereas those other companies just fuck it over the wall <laughs> or, don't, or don't deliver it. It turns up and it just turned out to be four packets of Johnny, two lube things for a bird and, and no toys. I was like a bit... I was a bit mortified, really, because I told I've, I've, I, you know, I thought I was going to get a pallet. I've sold it to other lads. Do you know what I mean? I've already sold stock. I didn't have people. I was making go listen, lads. I do this with Durex. I'm going to have so many fucking Johnnies and lube. Don't even worry about it. I've only got four packets. I'm going to be out of pocket on the deal because I've got to go down to the supermarket and buy it. So now I'm out. I'm done. I'm out. I've let myself down, really. 
There is not another show on planet Earth that could combine 20 hours or 20 minutes of solving the game's breakdown problems, removing the jackal and angles of entry, and then move angles of entry onto something very different. <laughs> well, uh, with the amount of lube I've got, angles yeah. of entry are a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Even multiples. Uh, oh, whatever you need, whatever you need. Uh, whatever you need, I've got it. So, uh, and also, all done safely and consensually. Yeah, very That's the best part about it. You are spreading the gospel as you go. Uh, Look out for the new show on Thursday on YouTube. That's betuk.com, of course. Look out for Carl Frampton's new podcast as well, because uh, we've got a new friend who is back in doing what he does best, Inside Fighting. It takes you to the very heart of his preparations for what would be a third world title. This week's episode, he goes home to Belfast to meet the family, and including this fantastic nine-year-old as well. Have a listen to this. I can't wait for him to repair. Like, I'm excited for him coming home and all. And just like staying there, not going away, back and forth and all. But it's—he really likes boxing, so it'll be a tough choice for him. I know he's gonna win because he's been training hard, and like you know, sometimes like he just has to win. That is Carla Frampton stealing the show on this week's Inside Fighting on YouTube or wherever it is that you do your podcasting. Good luck to Carl as the uh, the return to the ring picks up speed. That is it for the good, the bad, and the rugby this week as well. Well done, Hask. Well done, Lord. And thank you to Ellis for tuning in as well. Hopefully he's feeling a bit better by the end of it all. Two weeks running where we've spoken about rugby. Who, who, who'd have thought it? Nobody seems to have complained so far. Uh, if you have got complaints, please send them somewhere else. Thanks again for listening and for watching. Don't forget to check out the website, goodbadrugby.com, for the Norse's stats. It's also where you can get our GBNR merch, if that's your thing. For now, though, Rob Bryden, it's all yours. We'll see you on Thursday for the Premiership Preview Show or next Wednesday with a new teammate. Get your guesses in. From all of us, love and hugs. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to the good, the bad and the rugby. It can't have been easy. 